Hello, and welcome to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm Erin Del Conte, Executive Editor of C-Store Decisions Magazine. Thank you for joining us. Please sit back and enjoy as we talk all things convenience retailing. Today, I'm here with Stephanie Dolavera, the Vice President of Human Resources for Sheets Convenience Stores. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Erin. Great to be here. Well, I'm excited to, to speak with you. I know Sheets is doing so many amazing things right now. We're going to talk about a lot of them in this podcast. Um, but the, the topic of this podcast is you know, conversations with women in convenience. And uh, I'm going to be doing this podcast monthly, talking to different women all across the industry, uh, across different convenience store chains, uh, across different generations to kind of paint a picture of uh, some of the the issues we've overcome, some of the things that are still going on in in the narrative that we're working through now, uh, as well as advice for other women in business and the path forward. It's been my observation that as we discuss you know, women in the workplace and some of these challenges and perceptions, I found that the perceptions can really differ according to what generation you're a part of. So, Stephanie, what generation are you? So, I'm a Gen Xer. This is a big year for me. I'm celebrating my 20 years with Sheets, and I turned 50. So, um, I'm Congratulations. Of- yeah, it's a big year as a Gen Xer. Very cool. Well, I am as old as you can be and still be a millennial. I am, it's a big year for me too. I am turning 40. Um, so, (laughs) so, you know, when I think about, you know, being an older millennial and and I think there is kind of a, even a generational viewpoint shift between some older millennials and younger millennials with older millennials kind of coming of age around the, the great recession. But, you know, I remember being, uh, you know, a, a young adult in the in the early 2000s, uh, being a teenager in the late 90s, and watching watching women generations older than me, and and at that point it was really the the idea of sort of the superwoman. You know, she can have it all. Not only can she have it all, but she must have it all. And I remember a lot of us watching that and thinking, like, that looks so exhausting. <laughs> um, and you know, how how do you do that? And you know, I, I've watched uh, a sort of narrative shift around my generation. Uh, I've heard ideas such as, you know, women can have it all, but maybe not always at the same time. Uh, I've also heard, you know, a narrative shift and a reframing of, you know, things we've called women's issues for decades, reframing that as societal issues that maybe just disproportionately impact women and especially women of color predominantly. And I've also heard a narrative shift to kind of a pushback against that sort of perfectionist mindset to talking about burnout and how to prioritize and how to, you know, involve your partner if you have one. And, you know, I've seen a lot of of relationships in my generation be pretty egalitarian and and, uh, moving more toward a partnership than, than some of the relationships I saw in my parents' generation, which all can impact, you know, how, how a woman can show up in the workplace and, and navigate her career in a successful way. So for me, those are kind of the, some of the standout things that I see among conversations among women in, in my generation. I'm curious, what, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? You know, when you look at the, the time period where you came of age, how has that shaped your experience as a woman in business? And and within that, what do you see as some of those unique obstacles or issues that, that you think your generation 
has faced or are still facing? So many great questions and um, thoughts in there, Erin. So uh, as a member of Gen X, I grew up in the 80s and actually then attended college in the, in the early 90s. And um, what strikes me about our generation is that I think we were on the cusp of change. Um, and I say that because, you know, I think probably 50% of students in college were women. So I certainly didn't look around and see um, only men. There were lots of women um, attending college. And then I went on to law school and it was the same. It was about a 50-50 split in law school. And so, um, you know, we were obviously probably the generation that was, um, there were definitely more women going to college and getting um, higher education um, opportunities. What I'll say though, is that I'm not sure that um, our generation felt empowered at that time, that the women of our generation felt as empowered as I'm seeing from millennials and um, the next generation coming, what I so admire about um, the younger generations is that I really feel that women are um, expressing their opinions, their views way more um, regularly than we ever did. And, I, and for me personally, it has taken me some time um, to really find my voice. And um, I think that's, I think what's amazing is that women are standing in their power uh, more and more often. And, you know, I think that's, that's an amazing thing. It, it's going to help with inclusion, not just uh, for women leaders, but for all types of inclusion. So I think welcoming um, more diversity in the workforce. Wonderful. And I, I'm noticing that as well, too, especially I think with, with younger millennials, uh, you know, even I think it took me a little while to, to, to find my voice. Uh, but I do find younger women, I'm, I'm always like, yeah, go you, you know, they, I, I see that they are doing that earlier and earlier. And I think that's, that's so wonderful and so necessary. Uh, you know, I, I was speaking uh, for the last, uh, last month's podcast with, uh, with Lisa Del Alba of Square One Markets, the CEO there. And, and she was talking about, about that as well, about finding her voice and about needing to just claim your space and, and state your opinion. And I think that that continues to be such an important concept and, and point for uh, for women today? I think, uh, yes. And I think what's interesting to note is that, you know, it's only been since 1964 um, when Title VII of the Civil Rights Act was passed where employers were no longer permitted to discriminate on the basis of gender. So I like to share the story about my mom. My mom was working in the, in the early 1960s and uh, the company that she worked for had a rule that when you got married um, as a woman, you had to leave of working there. Wow. And, um, yeah, isn't that insane? Um, and then 1964 rolls around, they passed the Civil Rights Act. And then after that, the new rule was when you became pregnant, you wouldn't, you had to leave employment. So it's really only been in these short generations that we've had significant changes um, and that now we're starting to feel, uh, I think, the positive impacts of um, women having quality in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And now you uh, you joined Sheets in 2001, I believe it was, as the yeah. manager of HR. Is that correct? 20 years ago. Yep. Yeah. And of course, today you're the vice president of, of human resources. But you mentioned earlier, before joining Sheets, you were a lawyer, correct? Yes. Yes. So my love of the law, and I just referenced Title VII of the Civil Rights <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
Why did you decide then to join the convenience store industry? So a little bit of backstory there. Um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, about an hour away from where Sheets is headquartered. There was a Sheets store in my community, um, and many of my friends worked for Sheets um, when we were in high school, and um, I loved uh, visiting and being a customer. Later on, when I was practicing law, Sheets was one of my clients, and it was such a blessing to be able to see what they were doing within the community and how they operated their business. And I just had to be part of it. I wanted to be part of this amazing company. And um, fortunately, they they hired me 20 years ago. Very cool. So obviously, Sheets is, is a wonderful company, a really inclusive company. I, I see them do a lot to care for their employees, which we're going to be discussing a bit later on in this podcast. You know, but I'm curious, when you, when you first started in your career in the convenience store industry, what was your experience as a woman in this industry? Well, so 20 years ago, as I was entering the business, um, there were no female executives at Sheets at that point in time. But there were many store leaders, store managers that um, were women, are women, and that continues today. And I would say that many of the positions in the office, the leadership positions, not just in the executive suite, but um, were made up of men. And over those 20 years, I've really seen that change as women have um, taken on more and more leadership roles within the corporate office. And then 13 years ago, I became the first female executive at Sheets. And uh, we since we now have another female executive uh, leading our strategy team. Um, so a lot has changed. Um, and I think we're continuing with our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives to ensure we are um, continuing to diversify our leadership at Sheets, not only relative to gender, but to um, race and national origin and um, LGBTQ. So we are um, really have our eye on ensuring that we have great diversity across all levels of our organization. Wonderful. Um, and so, you know, today in 2021, what do you think are some of the challenges that we're facing today in our culture specifically, you know, uh, that disproportionately impact women in the workforce that we still need to find ways to address? Oh, it's such a great question. And I think the, the biggest one that is on my mind daily is the issue of childcare and, um, and then, and then care in general. I think oftentimes the care of children, but also the care of older parents tends to fall on women. Now there are obviously lots of men in the world they are stepping up and doing their part, but historically caregiving has fallen on the shoulders of women. And specifically around childcare, um, there is a crisis in the United States of not having enough quality childcare, accessible, affordable to working families. And so it is, um, in my opinion, it is not a small issue, but businesses have an enormous role to play in ensuring we have childcare solutions for our workforce. And the other thing that's interesting about um, quality childcare is that we're also investing in our future workforce. So it's not only a workforce issue of today, but it's a workforce issue of the future. Absolutely. And I think as, as, you know, we get more and more 
women in these executive roles. I think we're seeing that and hearing that highlighted more and more and more, you know, um, and we're seeing right now in this moment, right, the pandemic disproportionately causing women, especially, and especially on the front lines to have to, to step back as children have been out of school. Obviously, there's men that are that are having to step back as well, but it does disproportionately tend to impact women and frontline women, um, again, because of this sort of cultural expectation that, that women have of themselves, that society has of women to, to step back to take care of children and aging relatives and so forth. Are, are you seeing this trend uh, with frontline workers in the pandemic of, of having to step back or step out? Have you, have you noticed that trend? So we certainly have been following um, the data points across um, the whole United States. You know, roughly 3 million women have left the workforce since the pandemic began. Um, it is so concerning from um, the standpoint of women were just starting to gain ground of having about 50% representation in the workforce and now we're going backwards and so I heard that we're going back to I saw somewhere it referenced 1988 in terms of levels of of women in the workforce which is a scary thing to think about well it's scary and you know unless we have some very specific strategies in place we it will take a while to regain that that ground that we had made over the last 30 years Um, so we we certainly are watching those trends what I will say is that um, we have probably about 60% of our store workforce is female. Um, many of them are mothers, working mothers. Um, and what we have noticed is that it's just really hard to balance it all, um, working in our stores and taking care of children, especially um, during the pandemic when many children were sent home from school and work learning virtually and that just created such a difficult challenge for women who didn't have childcare solutions didn't have a supportive family system or a friend system to help take care of the kids so we knew that we had to make some changes to our policies and practices during the pandemic to ensure we didn't lose our um, working mother workforce and those were things like not holding attendance issues against them. So uh, absenteeism issues, I I should say. Um, So if a parent had to take time off of work because they didn't have childcare, um, we did not hold those attendance events against them. Um, Typically, you know, we have an absenteeism policy, but we, we waived many aspects of our absenteeism policy during the pandemic because we knew it was so hard for working parents but specifically working mothers. Mm-hmm. And so some big news that has, has come from Sheets recently. Uh, Sheets recently took a big step of implementing an expanded maternity and paternity leave policy. Tell me about some of the details of the new policy and, and why this was an important investment and initiative for Sheets. I'm so proud of this. Um, I, as a working mom, I really wanted to be able to offer that support to parents, new parents. So one thing about Sheets is that we regularly are talking to our employees through surveys, through focus groups, through connect sessions, really understand what are the challenges that they're facing, not only at work, but also outside of work or any barriers that they might have to staying employed with Sheets. And we heard very clearly when we were asking about compensation and benefits, 
that maternity pay um, and a more generous leave program is really needed for our workforce. Our workforce is very young. I think in general, the convenience store industry um, skews to a younger workforce. That means childbearing years, you know, the years that people are having babies. And um, so this matches very nicely with our workforce. And um, we're a family-owned and operated business, so family is so important to us um, as a company, as part of our, our brand, as part of um, wanting to take care of our employees. And so this program that we launched about a year ago um, provides 12 weeks of pay at 100% of the employee's pay rate, uh, which is really, I think, it's, I think, very progressive in the world of retail, in the world of convenience, um, across all of the United States. You're certainly behind in the United States compared to other countries when it comes to pay time off for new parents. So um, we were really, really proud and excited to announce that we were going to pay 100% of their weekly wages for 12 weeks um, for new moms. Wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. It's amazing. It allows for bonding time. It allows for healing. Um, we heard many stories from employees who said that they went back to work two weeks after they had had a baby. And I mean, that's really not, it's not good for the, the mother's health that you're willing to rest and, and bond. And so this provides new moms with the opportunity to take care of themselves and to take care of their baby. And to clarify, this is available to both corporate employees and also full-time frontline workers? Yes. So you have to work for us for at least 12 months and work about 1,200 hours, 1,250 hours. But it's both frontline employees and corporate employees. I mean, it doesn't matter where you work, you need this benefit. I think our hourly workforce needs it as much as anyone else. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said before, 12 weeks paid time off for new mothers is something almost unheard of in much most of the United States, uh, certainly in this industry. What does having access to paid maternity leave mean for keeping mothers in the workforce? Well, it was um, something we had been thinking about as a way to retain great talent in our business um, while also taking care of them. And so it was really this intersection of ensuring that we don't lose great people um, and that we help them out at a really important time in their life. We've been very focused on something that we're calling the moments that matter with our employees. As we talk about employee experience, we've been focused on the moments that matter. And we know that as you're becoming a new parent, um, that is certainly a moment that matters in a person's life. And we want to be supportive of that. And we believe that that is a, a great retention tool. Um, so not only taking care of our employees, but you know, I think when employees feel like they have been heard and seen and taken care of, um, there is great loyalty there. And then they um, come back to work and are so proud to work for a company that is taking care of them. Wonderful. And, and as part of this, you're also expanding, uh, adding paternity leave as well. I think you said two weeks of paid leave for, for new fathers. So what does this do for families um, when men are able to take two weeks off of paid leave to be able to bond with their infants during, during those first two crucial weeks? 
Well, we know that dads are as important as moms, right? And it's um, research has shown that it is equally important for a father to bond with a, with a newborn as it is a mother. Um, and so we, we want new dads to be able to spend that time with their family as well. I mean, we are probably going to look to expand that beyond two weeks, but we wanted to try it out. We wanted to see what happened when we offered it to um, new dads. I should share with you, too, that it's actually a parental leave program. So um, it could be two moms. And so um, it could be a non-birthing mom um, who wants to take some time off also. And so that's extended to um, new mothers who are not the birthing mother as well. And also maybe um, new parents have adopted and they need to take some time off because they have a brand new baby through an adoption. And so this parental leave applies to them as well. Wonderful. And and just to clarify, when did this go into effect for employees? So the new uh, maternity leave program went into effect right as we were entering the pandemic last year. So April of 2020. And it has just been in the last three months that we've instituted the new parental leave. And so what are some other ways that Sheets is supporting its employees today? Well, we spend all of our time thinking of ways we can support our employees. So just recently, when we announced $28.5 million investment in our store employee wages. Um, we know that for hourly workforce, that increase in wages um, has a real positive impact on their life. And um, we, our employees work very hard and they deserve everything that they earn. And so reinvesting in our wages um, is a way that we want to be able to make sure we're supporting our employees. Um, we've rolled out a Be Shwell campaign. We can't help ourselves with cheats. We have to add an SH to <laughs> We rolled out a Be Shwell campaign, um, really focused on supporting our employees during COVID. Um, right now, that, has been, that focus has been on helping them to get the vaccine the COVID-19 vaccine. So um, once they have received the vaccine, we're paying every employee $100 um, as a way to say thank you for getting the vaccine, to help with any kind of costs associated. Maybe they had to take some time off work to travel to get the vaccine. So very proud of that. For our non-store employees, we've been supporting them through um, working virtually. Uh, that's been a huge transition for so many of our employees. We have a very um, collaborative work environment typically. Um, so this has been a rough year not to be seeing each other in person, doing workshops, collaborating, brainstorming. Um, but we've been supporting our workforce through that virtual environment. And then the last thing I would mention is we just did a complete overhaul of our paid time off program. And... That was really in response to our employees telling us they needed some more paid time off to take care of life things. So whether you have a a sick child or you need to take care of an elderly parent or you have to go to a doctor's appointment. And so um, all the store employees who worked at least 120 hours got an additional grant of vacation based upon um, some other criteria. And so that has been really well received by our workforce. More time off. We want to make sure we have a really good work-life balance for our employees. Wonderful. And so for women in the convenience store industry who are listening to this podcast now, what do you wish you knew 
when you first started off in your career, what sort of advice might you have for, uh, for other women for things to consider to think about as they, as they start off this process? It's such a great question. And actually, I'm asked this often. So there are three things that I like to share. The first is courage. So if I could go back in time, I would say to myself or I would say to young women working in convenience is have the courage um, to find your authentic voice. Um, And that means sometimes speaking up when you have an idea, um, when you disagree with something, um, when someone has maybe crossed a boundary, it's so important to find the courage to have your authentic voice. So there's two things there. There's courage and there's finding your authentic voice. And then the third thing is um, related to something you started off with, which is, can you have it all? And, you know, that that whole statement just always makes me chuckle because what is all? What is really? all? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think you have to define what is important to you in your life and, and go after it. But to be able to have it all, whatever you define it as, is you have to be able to take care of yourself. Um, and what that means to me is taking care of your, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, um, taking care of learning and developing uh, as a leader, as a person. Um, I wish I could have gone back and, and told my um, 30-year-old self, like, find ways to renew and uh, take care of yourself. I think that's incredibly important for women because women tend to think of themselves last mm-hmm. and tend to take care of everyone ahead of themselves. Um, I like to tell new moms and young women, young professional women, it's sort of like when you're flying and they tell you- um, <laughs> Put your own oxygen mask on first. <laughs> which just seems so crazy, especially when you're a mom, um, you're gonna wanna take care of your kid first, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is you have to be able to put that oxygen mask on yourself. You have to be able to take care of yourself to be able to take care of others in the best way. And that applies really as a leader of a company as well. You really need to continue to find ways to energize yourself, to learn and develop, so you can give more to the people that you're working with and, and your family and to have a fulfilling life. Absolutely. That is, that is really, really great advice. I like that. Put your own oxygen mask on first before you, before you help other people. You know, finding your voice, finding your courage, all such important things. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing all of this with us. It's been, it's been a pleasure and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. You take care too. listening to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. For more podcasts, visit cstoredecisions.com or follow me on Twitter at cstored underscore Aaron. That's cstored underscore E-R-I-N.